For the second and final hour of Rhythm Running River, I'm going to air the latest edition of You Speaks Out. This is a brand new show, guest hosted by Jama Shield Spence, the executive director of Healthy Start Laytonville. Jama was one of the hosts on the first You Speaks Out episodes in 1999 while attending Laytonville High School. After she graduated, I received a grant that allowed her to work as production assistant on Youth Speaks Out. She then went on to college at UC Santa Barbara, and the grant ran out for the show in 2003. I continued to produce and support the show. Eventually, Jama returned to Laytonville and became the director at Healthy Start Laytonville. Around 2012, she was able to secure a national drug control policy grant for You Speaks Out. I have worked with Jama for over 20 years and am in awe of the amazing services she provides to the Laytonville community, from young children to the elderly and everyone in between. Laytonville is a lucky community to have Jama. She asked if she could record interviews for You Speaks Out that I would edit and produce the shows. For this edition, Jameis spoke with colleagues in the schools about their experiences during the COVID crisis, which shut in-person schooling down. We will hear from a teacher, a school psychologist, a student, and a principal. These interviews were recorded with Zoom. Here is You Speaks Out for May 2021. Welcome to Youth Speaks Out. I am your host, Jama Shield Spence. I am the Executive Director of Laytonville Healthy Start. We're a community and family resource center. I also get to claim that I was the first host of Youth Speaks Out when I was in high school. I feel honored to get to come back here several years later and host a show as a grown-up. Over the course of this program, I will introduce you to some of my friends and colleagues who, like all of us, have had to endure a global pandemic over the past year. COVID-19 has impacted our daily lives. It has caused heartache, frustration, exhaustion. For some, the changes to our daily lives have been positive. Some kids prefer online school to the in-person classroom. Some parents have been able to watch their kids grow up before their eyes, rather than hearing about it from a caregiver or a daycare provider. For me, 2020 and 2021 have been both positive and negative. In some ways, the pandemic has made some aspects of my work easier. Suddenly, I could zoom into a meeting instead of having to leave Laytonville at 6 in the morning and then be gone all day. I was forced to getting comfortable with Zoom and FaceTime as a means to conduct business. In some ways, I don't mind this new way of meeting. The public health orders force many to stay home if you weren't considered an essential worker. For those of us deemed essential, we had to figure out ways to protect ourselves and the people we serve. At our Community and Family Resource Center in Laytonville, I did some serious thinking about how we could continue to support the public and offer services, but do so carefully and considerately of our staff. I was lucky that all my staff wanted to keep working through the pandemic. In March of 2020, when COVID was entering our vocabulary more and more, I figured if we follow sanitary guidelines and common sense, we could stay safe. 
but we got used to wearing masks all the time. We sanitized all the door handles, keyboards, phones, and surfaces multiple times per day. We reduced our office hours to give us a break from public exposure. Our service menu at Laytonville Healthy Start changed in response to the pandemic. We could no longer hold our in-person groups or programs. We shifted our focus to providing more food and basic needs resources. We started a weekly Meals on Wheels program for senior citizens and others who were homebound due to the risk of COVID-19. We took on the Community Food Bank in December. I recognized in the beginning of the pandemic that we couldn't close down or shut the doors because we were worried about a virus. We had to approach everything cautiously, but continue to meet the needs of the public. There are also resource centers located in Round Valley, Potter Valley, Willits, Ukiah, Wallala, Point Arena, and Fort Bragg. They all shifted the way they served their respective communities, and especially in the outlying and unincorporated communities of our county, became the place that could offer people incredible support. At Action Network Family Resource Center on the South Coast, they handed out over 11,000 diapers to parents. In Willits at Nuestra Alianza, they made 3,000 homemade masks to distribute to their community. In Laytonville, we served over 1,000 meals to seniors in 2020. My plug here will be to get information or get connected with your local family resource center. Many have volunteer opportunities or can tell you how you can help them. Together, we can get through a dark and a strange time. To learn more about the community and family resource centers serving our county, feel free to get in touch with me and I can point you in the right direction. My email address is jama at laytonville.org. That's J-A-Y-M-A at laytonville.org. Or feel free to call my office at 707-984-8089. I hope you enjoy today's program. I'm glad to get to connect with my friends and colleagues and talk to them about their experiences this past year. My name is Lindsay Hansen. Um, my husband and I were born and raised in Laytonville and Laytonville area. And we've been living here in our current place up on Bell Springs. We have two little ones. We've got a three-year-old son and a six-month-old girl. I work at Laneville High School as the culinary arts teacher. I work part-time, and my husband works in, in construction. Picture yourself back in January of 2020, before the COVID-19 pandemic really hit us. Take me through a normal day in your life and at your job. Um, at that time, I, Frankie was almost two years old, and he turned, he turned two at the end of March, right as the pandemic hit. So at that time, I was working part-time at the high school. I was teaching culinary every day. So I would go down to school every day. I'd teach my classes. I dropped Frankie off. That's my son. I'd drop him off with either my mom one day a week or my in-laws three days a week. And he was home with his dad one day a week. And everything was, was like really routine and really smooth. 
culinary, we, we had, at that time, we had a classroom that was essentially like a home ec classroom. It was half classroom and some kitchen space, but not really set up as a professional cooking space. And so we were, I was teaching culinary out of there. This is my sixth year. We'd been applying for grant money to build a new culinary building and to get new classroom space. And that every time we applied something, there was some stumbling block and it always would fall through. And when the most recent funding fell through, we were looking at remodeling the classroom and that'll come into play when um, I no longer was using my classroom. So at that time I had a culinary one class and a culinary two slash three class. So I came in every day. We cooked almost every day. We cooked multiple times a week with my students. I had a dozen kids in one class and 10 maybe in the other. We were getting ready, getting ready to go to do our big student showcase fundraiser at the end of the year. We were getting ready to go on field trips. We had field trips planned for uh, April we were running, heading into the busy end of the year quarter. Okay, so let's jump ahead a few months. So let's say April or May of 2020, when more is being revealed about the dangers of COVID-19 and our state and our county are starting to lock down. Schools have been ordered to go into distance learning. How did the lockdown impact both your professional and your personal life? I found out I was pregnant with baby B, who's our, our six-month-old, um, at the very end of February, and on the on February 27th. And on February 28th, we had a gathering um, of friends and neighbors and family. Um, we just were having like a, a little get-together, and we're all sitting around going, wow, you hear about this COVID thing? This, uh, I guess back then it was that coronavirus thing. Wow, that's crazy. Like, good thing that'll never impact us. February 28th, we're sitting out on the deck, sunny, beautiful weather, and that is the last time I saw any of those people for a year. And we actually all got our vaccines, and with the two-week waiting period, came up almost exactly to the day, one year after that gathering. And so in the meantime, I had just, just found out I was pregnant. One week later, it was like, oh, like this might might be impacting us. And a week after that, School is locked down. We're done with school for, you know, at that time, a couple weeks or a month or, or whatever. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm six weeks pregnant. Like I'm suddenly in a high risk category and I'm really nervous about this COVID thing and and being around students and being in the classroom. And so at that time, we, you know, we got the message like, don't come to school, like start, start getting your distance learning stuff ready. And, and, you know, from a culinary teacher point of view, it's like, what does that mean? How on earth do you teach culinary distance learning? And with everything so chaotic, everything. So, you know, the kids were having a hard time. Nobody had technology. And so we, we fumbled through that end of the year with culinary. I was having them just cook things, anything at home and send me reports and, you know, send, send in their, their assignments. You know, we got through that end of it, but school, the professional side of things and at home with the day that school locked down was the last time that my son got to go spend time with his grandma and grandpa, who he was spending three days a week with up until then, because my mother-in-law 
uh, is in a high risk group. And she said, you know, I can't take that chance. And we said, we can't take that chance either. We can't take the chance that we're going to bring disease into your family. And so we saw them from a distance or in very short encounters a few times over the next year, essentially, but not not very much. And that was really hard for him to go from seeing them three days a week. They were caregivers for him. They saw him all the time. And suddenly that was just cut off. What were some of your biggest concerns as the pandemic started and as 2020 progressed? Were there things you worried about or that kept you up at night? Oh, so many, right? When I read that question at first, the first place my my brain went was taking, being careful and taking care of our people. So we live on the same property with my mom and dad. And so from day one, they were in our bubble with us. And they're not particularly high risk, but they're not low risk either. And so from the very beginning, my thought was always, I have to, we have to take this as seriously as possible to protect ourselves, but mostly to protect them. The second thing I thought of was going through the pregnancy during COVID. And when it first hit and I first found out I was pregnant, like those happening at the same time, I was really worried about fevers and and what fever does during first trimester, especially. Um, And then later worrying about just not knowing because we didn't have enough data to say whether I should be more or less worried. And of course, you know, being pregnant means going to the doctor a million times, going to the hospital and sitting in waiting rooms to get blood work done or get whatever done. And so it felt very strange to be forced to go out when otherwise we weren't going out at all. We didn't, we didn't go anywhere that we didn't absolutely have to. We didn't see anybody. We didn't have to um, outside of our bubble. We were very protective of the family unit. Politics was weighing on our minds a lot at that time, that we were really worried about, in a global pandemic, how do you vote? How do you vote safely in an election year? And being really worried about the the broader country, like our local community, yes, but also like our broader community and saying people shouldn't be choosing between voting and their physical safety and really wanting to make sure that there wasn't any tampering with our democratic system. There was so much uncertainty. And I think that that, you know, that's something that really persisted through the whole thing. Uncertainty about not having good science and not having the data yet as the science developed and and we found out more and, and recommendations changed and understanding how COVID works as a virus and what we should be worried about and what we shouldn't. That was really hard to, to just parse through, like, without enough data, like, what is safe? What isn't safe? Like, how do we make those decisions about uh, weighing our risks? Professionally, there was so much uncertainty. You know, it was hard enough to go into lockdown and not be certain, not be sure any given week, how long are we going to stay in lockdown? Do, am I planning for a whole quarter worth of distance learning work or am I planning for a week worth? Do I try to stay on track with the lesson plans that I had planned or do I just toss them out and start over with something that I can view from better from a distance learning point of view? Through the whole summer, as my pregnancy progressed, it was 
well, what do I do about maternity leave? What if we have to go back in person and I'm not comfortable being in a classroom um, while pregnant? When will we go back in person? Like, how do I plan my lessons? Like, how do I teach culinary over Zoom? Ah. <laughs> it was really like a, that lesson in being comfortable and okay with uncertainty and saying, you know what? I can't plan. I don't know what it's going to look like in a month or two months or six months or even a week sometimes. And so if I try to plan ahead too far, there's like too many options and I'm just going to fall over my feet. So I might as well try to just live kind of day to day and week to week and and hope that it's going to turn out okay. I always have thought of one of my strengths as a teacher. I'm not organized. I'm not like particularly neat. I, there's like a lot of places where I'm lacking, but I am flexible. And, you know, when my principal comes and says, Hey, I need you to, you know, cater a lunch tomorrow, or I need, I need some snacks for a meeting today. And I'm, I'm going, Oh, okay. Like, let's see what we can do. And I can try to make that happen. And I've never been too locked into my plans. I'm curious to see how this affects kids in the long term. But I suspect that like it'll be this kind of weird blip in his in his like younger childhood. And I don't I don't think it'll have all that big of an effect on him. It's been weird. I've been and I've been sort of sad for him to not be able to play with other kids. But on the other hand, he just kind of rolls with it. What does a day in the life of Lindsay Hansen look like now? I think in in a way I wound up fortunate through this through the pandemic that because of the weird school schedule we adopted to handle distance learning, I was able to teach in the fall. I I taught first quarter and my last day of school teaching was October 23rd and my baby was born on the 25th. And then I had a full five months off and I started back at fourth quarter at the very end of March. I am teaching the last few weeks I've been teaching on Zoom, just like I did back in in the fall. But starting day after tomorrow, I will have students in my classroom. I will be doing two days a week of in-person instruction for my two classes. And uh, I am really excited not only to see my students, which is beyond exciting if you have ever experienced trying to teach to a wall of Black Zoom screens, which is not fun, but also because we wound up with funding and were able to completely remodel my classroom over the time I was gone. So it lined up that this this period when I was out on maternity leave or and teaching remotely was also this time that we needed to be able to remodel my classroom into a much more functional teaching kitchen that I will be able to use, I think, much more effectively and to teach my students. And I'm really excited to teach in there. And we're going to get to go in and start moving stuff in on Wednesday and get to start cooking in there this week. And my classes, uh, whichever students are willing or interested in coming in, it won't be all, all of them, but whoever wants to can come in and do class in person. And it feels like such a relief. It's such a a wonderful return to normal to be able to just be in the classroom with students. 
I got my vaccine back in January. I got it as soon as, as it was offered to teachers in our area. And, you know, I, I had thought originally when, when the vaccine was approved, I thought, oh, well, I'm breastfeeding. And I don't think that I don't think I'll be allowed to get it. Teachers were, of course, are essential workers. Like, be, especially if we want them back in the classroom, they should have it available. And so it was available. And I said, oh, well, I guess I have to make this decision now. And I did, I did my research. I looked to the experts in the field. And what I saw was people saying, you know what? Not only are you protecting yourself, and not only is this vaccine safe, but you are likely going to pass on antibodies to the baby through the breast milk. And so that made that decision easy. It made it, it was like, okay, I can do, I can do that. And I can take an extra step for protecting my family. When the rest of the family and our like closest people were able to get vaccinated, it was such a, it was a palpable sense of relief, you know, especially once my folks and my in-laws got their vaccines, it was like, wow, I really can breathe and, and breathe in a way that I didn't even realize I was holding my breath, being worried for them. And so now that we're able to start reconnecting to pe with people, it feels more meaningful to be able to have that connection to finally say, okay, I can go and socialize. And I'm so grateful to have these people around me, to have people who are alive and well and you know, I'm grateful to have made it through, you know, knock on wood, but hopefully made it through this pandemic without losing anybody close to me. And not even, you know, most people close to me, like not even getting sick. It was incredible to see how much work we could get done around the house, around the property, on our businesses, being able, not, not having social obligations, not needing to, to like feel bad about turning down a dinner, dinner invitation or this or that, but the all or nothing approach isn't, isn't the right approach. It's, I think, you know, being able to walk the line of, of spending more time at home, valuing our, our family while also getting to go outside of our bubble and, and experience um, getting to be with other people also. Uh, my name is Judy Hansen. I work in the Laytonville School District as a school psychologist. I mainly work in special education, and a large portion of my job is doing psychoeducational evaluations to see if I can find any kind of a learning disability in a student who might be having difficulty. And by learning disability, I, I look at reading disabilities, math disabilities, autism, ADHD, all kinds of things that might qualify a student to receive special services. Uh, I also do things in the gen ed realm. I do counseling. I do conflict resolution with students and sometimes even with families of students. And I consult with teachers a lot about a variety of things in the educational setting that might might help them in their everyday lives. And, and so you work for uh, Laytonville Unified and you serve grades K through 12. Is, is that who you work with? Yep, every school, every grade. I've been doing this 14 years. And how long have you been at Laytonville Unified? 
this is my fifth year. I have a classroom as an office. It's big for one person, but we have a lot of meetings in here. Kids would stop by and say hi. I did a lot of conflict resolution, counseling, group counseling in here. Sometimes I would have lunch in the cafeteria with some kids. I often went into classrooms to help a teacher or deal with an issue that might be happening there. I would sometimes bring a student back to my room and we would chat and calm down and and those sorts of things. A lot of social interaction. And kids in and out of my room all day. Yes. Yeah. How did the lockdown impact your personal and also your professional life? When it first started becoming a thing, I remember that we were told to stay home for two weeks. I was like, yay, (laughs) a little little extra vacation. That is awesome. Um, And then we'll be coming back. That's what I thought. But it did not turn out that way. And one of the things I had to learn quickly was Zoom. I had never been on a Zoom call. And uh, again, old dog, new tricks. It took a minute to learn how to go to a Zoom meeting and then how to set one up and host a Zoom meeting. So we are all pros now here at schools. (laughs) I had to learn a lot of virtual meeting, virtual like platforms that teachers use. Our teachers don't all use the same platforms. Some use Canvas, some use Dojo. There's other ones. And I often uh, have to go inside of a classroom to, to observe a student who I might be evaluating to see how they interact in class and are they attending and, and that sort of thing. So I've had to learn to navigate that. That must be really I, I, interesting, observing a student via like a Zoom uh, meeting or an online platform. It is very interesting, and sometimes it's very difficult because a lot of students attend the class, but they don't turn on their camera. I so, understand that. I've been hearing that from actually some friends who, who have kids in the school who say that their child refuses to go on camera but yet when they're not in school they're all on facetime they're tiktoking they're snapchatting and it's all their face all on video so it's such an interesting dynamic and who can explain it nobody can explain it just yet yeah and so one of the things i pay attention to if i and and even if i can see the the student are the chats there are private chats that they can have with teachers and public chats and they answer questions are you know is my student answering questions are they giving thoughtful responses uh, i look for things like that right as covid started It was scary at first because we didn't know who was going to start getting sick. So I really, and and I think everybody, really isolated themselves. I didn't visit my family. My dad's old. He lives in Fresno. I I didn't feel like I could even be on the road. I remember hearing things like, when you're at the gas station, use your gloves yes. with the gas pump because you could get it from that. We were we were super scared, yes. so I, I was really isolated. I couldn't hang out with 
kids anymore. I couldn't hang out with colleagues anymore. I, I did my walking by myself. I'd started doing weights in my living room. You know, it's just yeah. so interesting reflecting on sort of those, the first few months and uh, you're reminding me of just my own anxiety of having to go out into public and just feeling like, do they have it? Am I going to catch it? Am I going to pass it on to somebody? And living in that constant state of anxiety can't be good for us. It's absolutely not good for us. And if I, as a psychologist, was feeling that way and knew how to decrease my anxiety, and I was still anxious, how much more so do other people feel that don't have those those skills? Exactly, um, yeah. It's been super hard on families and, and kids. And anyway, I'm sure you heard your horror stories too. Yeah. Judy, would you mind? Not, I mean, we can't get into details about specific families, but could you just share in general some of the concerns and worries that you've had as a school psychologist about kids and families and then maybe vice versa, the concerns that they've brought on to you? You know, my biggest concern, Jema, is that during this transition to virtual learning and the demographics and geological area that we live in, our students, uh, many of them have not had access to much of an education this year. They might not have good internet access or appropriate equipment. And it took us a while to get everybody a hotspot and get everybody a Chromebook. And, you know, most people had them, but we had these little areas. And those students missed out on some crucial learning time. That, that is my biggest concern as far as academics go. As far as psychology goes, I'm very concerned that students are feeling isolated, lonely, anxious to come back to school because some of them have missed instruction. Many of our kids haven't, though. They've, they've been online. They've been keeping up with things. But uh, they haven't seen their friends. Families are together 24-7. And a little too much togetherness sometimes can be kind of... <laughs> yeah, so psychologically, anxiety and, and depression due to loneliness and aloneness worries me. Were there any additional things that you worried about or like kept you up at night? I remember when this all sort of started, I literally stayed up like a couple nights in a row, just like tossing and turning because I was trying to figure out how we could best connect with the kids that we're concerned about. Sort of, we call them our at-risk youth or our at-risk families. And those are just the families that need some extra support and extra attention and oftentimes school has been the place where we connect with those students and families. And so then, you know, when they were ordered to stay home, I thought, oh, good Lord, what is going to happen now? And I know that that kept a lot of us up at night. But if you wanted to share anything else you were worried about. I had that same concern, Jama. I worried that some of our most at-risk kids would kind of fade into this void of wherever they were without being here, but I was alone so much here in my, my room because there were no kids here for so long, and in the staff room, we couldn't really get together and have lunch, and then I would go home and be alone. So I was concerned myself about becoming depressed, 
but I, I know the strategies to do not to get that way. Yeah. So, I mean, there are moments I dip into that. Oh man, this, this is terrible. But, um, yeah, it's nice to see the kids with smiles on their faces and most of them are thrilled to be here. They get off the bus and they run to the cafeteria and they're laughing and giggling and, um, I think that's one of the side effects of the pandemic too, Jema. is kids are responding to coming back to school like I've never seen. They missed it. Mm. They missed their friends. They missed the connection, whereas they never had a chance to miss it before because they were never gone before. A lot of our parents realize how awesome teachers are, how much they do. I know that the schools just sort of nationwide have received some flack from families who are just frustrated. Um, and I understand the frustrations of families and just, you know, the, the whole Zoom burnout is real. But gosh, the, the, the education system had to basically completely revamp like overnight. And everybody was just giving it their best shot. And I just want to commend our teachers because I know they're working super hard, as, as is the administrators and all the support staff. It's just, it's incredible to see it. My name's Dominic Harrison. Uh, I currently work at the Grivier Chevron and the Weathertop Nursery here in Laytonville. So I work in service <laughs> and retail, I guess. What year did you graduate from high school? Uh, 2020. How did the lockdown impact your personal and your school and, and or work life? Well, basically, high school got out a couple months early here in town, <laughs> uh, especially for the seniors. We didn't really have to to do much once that stuff started to happen. The work I was doing pretty much ceased due to it, and we missed out on a lot of things that people shouldn't have to miss out on, honestly. Uh, graduation and prom and all that is pretty impactful. What were some of your biggest concerns as the pandemic started and as 2020 progressed, were there things that you worried about or maybe kept you up at night? Nothing that kept me up at night. I wasn't like scared of necessarily the pandemic itself. I'm more worried about like the implications it has with governmental control and how easily they're going to be able to say, do this, do that now, because it, although it's very understandable that we're required to get a vaccine, it does set a standard where they can now say like, you have to do this or you're not allowed to go into businesses, et cetera. I was also concerned about how the people, especially in our, our small town, would react and what uh, crazy conspiracy theories would arise out of COVID. And there have been some crazy conspiracy theories. I get ramblers every day at the Chevron. Like anti-maskers or they don't want the vaccine? Um, people who think the, the vaccine doesn't actually exist at all or not the vaccine, but the, that COVID doesn't actually exist at all and that the vaccine is just a microchip. The whole thing is an elaborate scam. I mean, like, I, I know people who've, like, almost died from COVID, and I know people through a second degree who have died from COVID, so, like, that I don't think it's fake <laughs> by any means. What was the rest of 2020 like for you when, in theory, you should have been going off to college in the fall, right? Oh, uh, yeah. No, it was bad. The teachers and stuff at Sonoma State University, uh, they're great people and they're doing their best, but it was it was a really hard uh, thing to go through school, through distance learning and learn alongside the teachers and 
there were situations where classes weren't lined up with the days they were supposed to be. And there's waiting lists online when you have an issue. And sometimes by the time you get your question answered or fixed, there's been a, an issue that's already like been over with and completed. For example, if you need help connecting to a, a Zoom call or whatever on any given day, you probably have to wait five or six days before you get somebody to talk to you. <laughs> So did you actually attend the first semester at Sonoma State via online classes? I did and decided I was not going to do it again, and I will go back later. <laughs> so so that's your current plan is you're just like taking a temporary leave and at some point you'll start back up again? Yeah, exactly. I'm just getting uh, a little bit of money and uh, hopefully I'm going to go back uh, either next year or the year after. Okay. Wow. I definitely go to college. It's not going to screw with that. It's just... For me personally, learning online is already difficult, but when you're learning online and the teachers are having a really hard time setting up class and everything, it, it becomes uh, too risky for me to, to worry about it. I'm just going to go back later. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like you put it on pause. Yeah, exactly. My major issue, like, online classes are, are typically okay. I have a hard time with them, but I, I took a college class through um, the high school online, and it was fine because the teacher has been doing online classes, right? But a lot of these teachers were like forced into doing online class when they had no idea how to, which caused like tons of technical difficulties and issues. And it really just wasn't my cup of tea. So I'll, I'll do it later. <laughs> nice. I'm not like finalized on it or anything, but I'd like to become uh, someone who works in education, hopefully high school. I don't know why it just kind of happened out of nowhere and uh i'm probably going to go back to mendo and as opposed to sonoma for, for the first couple of years because it's much much more affordable after seeing how much sonoma state actually costs like i'm going to get all the, the cheap classes out of the way for cheap instead of premium excellent idea that's how i started out it saved a lot of money it, and and then once, will. and then once you get through all your general classes you're guaranteed you know acceptance if you decide to go somewhere else besides ssu so yeah, exactly that that's another part of it too is down the line if i if i feel like i want to go somewhere else i can and yeah classes are basically free so was sonoma charging full tuition even though you weren't there on campus and everything was online and you were home yeah, I have some, some issues with the way Sonoma handled a lot of their paying. Um, they personally like double-charged me a couple times, and uh, they definitely charged pretty much full price. Um, initially, they were charging for housing as well. They were not giving out the refunds for, for the housing fees, even though like we're at our own home. And I complained about that to them for about three weeks before I finally got my money back. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, I don't blame them. It's not necessarily their fault. It's just, it's a difficult thing to to randomly transition to with so little uh, preparation. And I imagine so much of it is like computer automated and generated. So it's probably oh, yeah. difficult to have to back a lot of that stuff out. So how is it going for you now? And what does a day in the life of Dominic Harrison look like today? Earlier, you know how I said I, I woke up and went to school and got home and woke up and went to school? It's it's uh, that, but more intense. <laughs> um, I'm currently working two jobs, so I have like almost 72 hours a week of, of labor. Um, it's 
pretty much wake up, work, sleep, wake up. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, making a lot of money. It never really impacted me too harshly because I was still available to get a job. But I do feel very, very strongly for the people who lost their job and were unable to find another one. The stimulus definitely gave me a uh, like a second chance, I guess. I got into a pretty bad car accident and made me very broke. And if it wasn't for the stimulus that I had received, I would be even more broke. So I'm pretty happy for that. And uh, regarding the vaccine, I don't feel comfortable taking the Pfizer Moderna because it's just, it's untested. And I personally would rather not be a test subject. But um, the traditional vaccine, I think the Johnson & Johnson, I'm going to go get that at at a very soon date because I I do believe in the vaccine and I do think it's going to be very helpful. I'm just not sure I want to uh, face any wild, very improbable, possible uh, long-term side effects from the Pfizer Moderna. Okay. Okay. So is there anything positive that has happened to you or in your uh, work uh, due to the pandemic? Is there anything about 2020 and 2021 that you have enjoyed or glad you experienced or you're grateful for? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely silver linings. I can't predict how my life would have gone if COVID hadn't happened. But I can say that I probably wouldn't be working this hard. I, I wouldn't have two jobs. <laughs> and I actually appreciate it. It's it's good. It's a great experience to get um, making a lot more money than I thought it would be at 19. And uh, all the free money was pretty cool, too. <laughs> From the unemployment benefits when it first happened and... The stimulus, uh, a lot of money that I probably never would have seen rolled in, which has allowed me to to be a lot more comfortable with, as I said earlier, that, that car accident was, it was a, I lost my car and didn't have any coverage on the car. So like buying a new car without any money is, is pretty taxing on an individual, but I basically got bailed out. Uh, my name is Tim Henry. I am a high school principal at Laytonville High School, so I'm an educator. I've been there for this is my this is my eighth year, and uh, before that, I um, taught at Laytonville Unified School District up at Spyrock School for eleven years. And I'm Allison Purnell, and I'm a mom. I'm a real estate agent. I'm a planning commissioner, and I volunteer on community projects, 10 Mile Creek Watershed Association, and lots of little things. Picture yourself back in January or thereabouts 2020, before the COVID-19 pandemic really hit us. Take me through what a normal day in your life was like and at your job. You know, it's waking up early in the morning, uh, up on the homestead, getting the girls ready for school, hustling out the door, 20-minute commute to town to get the girls to school on time. Um, and then when they're at school, I would go to the office. And then after school, there would be all of the extracurricular activities. And then at some point, we may or may not meet up with Tim for dinner, uh, depending <laughs> on what his evening schedule was like. Yeah, when I think about January 2020, I, you know, I, one thing that pops into mind is we had our uh, our WASC review, which all schools go through every seven years, and it's all about making plans uh, for the next seven years. And uh, there was a lot of uh, planning for for what 
education was going to look like and what we were going to be doing with the kids for the next six years, seven years. And, and that was, that was pretty immersive. And, and I think about that and kind of chuckle because, um, many of the things that we had planned, we have not gotten to because this has, um, changed the direction of education and changed the, what we're even able to do. I do, you know, recall looking at, at the news and what was happening in China and how I, as, as somebody who is very interested in apocalyptic literature and novels and whatnot, I, I really was, was sort of thinking this was like science fiction coming to life. Yeah. And, um, you know, being, being a big fan of uh, Stephen King's The Stand was, was wondering how soon would this show up in our hometown. How did the lockdown impact your personal and your professional life? I just remember at the very beginning as we were locked down and I was still, I was just trying to figure out what is my job now? Because before the pandemic hit, so much of my time, you know, outside of observations and sports and all the things, the the regular things was so, like, discipline at the school had been taking up a lot of time. And when 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 we were sent home and, and I'm, you know, trying to work from home, there was some kind of an existential crisis where I was like, what, like, what am I, what am I doing now? And it all came together and you, like, figure out what's, what's necessary as, as things come up. But there was a reinventing of as as priority new priorities reemerged a, a reinventing of even just figuring out what you were supposed to be doing you know working with teachers who were sort of trying to figure out the same thing on a personal note i just remember being amazed that you know without the driving and without some of the extra duty things seeming like there was a lot of free time. There was a lot of spaciousness last spring, and I just remember getting in good shape. And for the first part of the pandemic, I was actually prohibited from working because the public health order did not consider real estate an essential service, and we were actually prohibited from working by the public health officer. What were some of your biggest concerns as the pandemic started and as 2020 progressed? Were there things you worried about or that kept you up at night? Aside from the political situation. You know, aside from, you know, either getting COVID or thought about our parents a lot and, and how vulnerable they were, wondering how a recovery was was going to happen and how we how are we going to ever crawl out of this you know and the only the only feasible thing that would seem like it would save us would be uh vaccinations and and so there was sort of this like blind hope put into that and i think that we're all pretty darn lucky that that actually uh came to pass so quickly. So quickly. Yeah. Like when I heard the initial predictions about how long it was going to take, I, I, I thought I was pretty dubious about it. But people found different 
answers. And while some looked to science and technology and vaccines and masking and COVID protocols, something else emerged for other people, which is the, you know, the anti-vax, anti-mask, conspiracy theory, and a lot of political division. And of course, George Floyd's murder and all the protests. And that that was like a phase two. That was when Corona vacation turned into, oh my God, this country's going to tear itself apart. And that, that helped me up at night. And despite having my own views on those things, I think what's more concerning for me is just how, how big that chasm has grown, not just across the political spectrum, but within families, within friendships, and within partnerships. And some of that can't really be reconciled. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I was one of those parents that when the school sent out a survey saying, will you be coming back, yes or no, I, I did the, I'm not sure, it depends on all the details. Happily, I'm able to say that the girls are both back at school in outdoor classrooms. And I think that solves all of my concerns and also adds a whole level of enrichment to the learning environment. And I think that might be one of the silver linings of, of COVID is all of the activities that have moved to outside, all the outdoor meetings, the outdoor classrooms, the outdoor gatherings. And it's such a wonderful direction to move to spend more time in nature and with fresh air and, and sunshine. And I was happy to say that the girls are back in school and have even started doing some sports. And I feel safe and comfortable with that. And I can see how important it is for them in their development and their socializing to be having their own activities again and getting a little space from each other because it was basically a year of being attached at the hip yeah. to the kids like 24-7 yeah. that once I did return to work they were always there with me always and we were not separate for a whole year and I think our relationship um, deepened as a result but I think parents and kids also need a break from each other. It's just been a constant process of trying to figure out how to get back to normal and how to put the pieces back together and working with teachers and students and parents and other community members to try to put the wheels back on so that we can, you know, start to move forward, but also to, to retain some of the, the good things that, that may have come out of this whole process, which is that not everything has to be done in person and that we can, you know, streamline certain processes and even though we've, we've, most of us have been able to survive this, I think that, that, the, that the lack of social interaction and activities have taken a real toll on people. And I think that, you know, we're going to be working through some of the issues that came out of this for a long time. For instance, it's this time more than any other has probably, you know, more people have needed mental health help. There's going to be some work to do to get students back on course academically and 
you know, I know this year's graduating class looks looks good academically, but I'm worried about the juniors and the and the sophomores who were right in the middle of this, and and um, there's there's going to be there's going to be some work to do. I kind of think about this relationship between technology and nature, and that I think that as a society that may have been put into like different perspective before COVID. There was there was always this concern. I'm I'm thinking about the youth and and how attached to phones and electronic devices and everything. And and I think that that was kind of all there was for for a minute. And it was like we're gonna you know school and and our outlets for activities and everything. Knowing how important it is to to get together in person with your friends and just hearing like that yearning for like something more real and not just what is virtual. And I think that that was this sort of this path that we were on while like, you know, everything's becoming virtual. And then we just got thrown into it a hundred percent and everybody was like, Oh no, 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 this kind of sucks. Let's, let's, you know, let's do this in person. And I think that that's, that's great. So that's, that's one of the, I think a, a good takeaway from 2020 and, and also just, I love hearing like the stories about, you know, when things slowed down so much, you know, scientists started like hearing the animals in the ocean or seeing, you know, people in, in certain countries, like seeing the mountains for the first time around their city that like, you know, what if we just take these sabbaticals occasionally from this like never ending need to to like go 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 you know like like that maybe maybe humans just need these like you know once a month just down times where like everything just shuts down but we can also get get to get together because it doesn't have to be like in a pandemic it seems like we're we're you know the light is at the end of the tunnel and and it and it might be but i know we've felt that before and i think that important to be vigilant and you know, to not lose sight of where we need to get to before we're done with this. And then to, to, to also remember that this challenge of COVID was, I think, a, a test run and that this is not the worst thing that could be thrown at our civilization or our society and that we, we have to do better next time. And that if we don't work together and come together as a society to meet these challenges, we are doomed. And the, this was a, this was a soft challenge and it, and it kind of hit us below the belt a little bit. And I think that, you know, because everything was so politicized and that people were looking at only their own interests, um, in certain, in certain aspects of, of life, that it, it made it a lot harder to get through this without like without damage. And that I hope we can take away good lessons from this and you know look to best decisions and science and you know all of these kinds of things when when we are faced with challenges in the future, as we will be, and that we you know, we're already looking at things like climate change, for example, mm-hmm. and all of the natural disasters and weather catastrophes and forest fires and everything. Like we, we have to work together. We can't let, you know, 
political differences and stuff like that get in the way of us being able to survive those challenges in a graceful way. So, like, come on, let's come together. Let's unite. I hope you have enjoyed listening to these individual stories from the COVID-19 pandemic. It was interesting for me to hear from different people who occupy various corners of the world, but who also share some common experiences brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. I learned not everyone was negatively impacted by the mandatory lockdown. These folks found a way to rise above and make things work during a really challenging and often negative time for society. I feel grateful to know these individuals, and I'm glad they took the time to share their experiences. During these trying times, I have found it helpful to focus on positive aspects of the pandemic and practice gratitude. I acknowledge daily that this past year has been incredibly difficult and different. I appreciate the lessons I have learned to be more aware, cherish the time I have with my friends, family, and my colleagues, and be grateful that COVID didn't disrupt my life too much. Through this experience, I was able to reach out to people and listen to their stories. I encourage you to do the same. Check in on friends and loved ones, and even people you don't know very well. These times have been tough, and people are wary and need a check-in. Thank you for tuning in to this month's edition of You Speaks Out. I'm a former youth, and I'm grateful to the wonderful Dan Roberts, our producer, and KZYX for giving this show a space on the airwaves for over 20 years. Be well, Mendocino County, and those tuning in from beyond. That was the latest You Speaks Out. Please remember that you can listen to this show and scores of others going back to 2000 at our website, youthspeaksout.net. Please check it out. 20 years of youth speaking out, including conversations with Norm Broman, Tony Craver, Michael Franti, John Trudell, and much, much more. That's youthspeaksout.net. The 46th Annual Mendocino Spring Poetry Celebration Virtual Style has begun. Like last year, there will not be an in-person event. Last year, 50 poets recorded up to four minutes of their work and sent it to me, Dan Roberts, and the event producer, Gordon Black. We are accepting submissions now until May 23rd. Details of how and where to send work is up at my website, outfarpress.com forward slash poetry. Now, poetry is all small letters, P-O-E-T-R-Y. The rules are simple. The method of recording is really simple. Visit youspeaksout.com forward slash poetry and get your poetry into us by May 23rd. I will begin airing the new work on June 6th here on Rhythm Running River. Last year's event was a wonderful community event that lasted for several months. I'm Dan Roberts. You can always listen to programs here on KCYX for two weeks after broadcast by going to kcyx.org and hitting the jukebox button. Stay grounded, stay healthy, and pass that light around. See you.
This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening. Chevanoa.